This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Darren Davis, senior leader here along with my wife, and we have an incredible team. As you guys know that have been here for any some time, we have a real pluralistic approach here at the harbor to to the equipping nature of what we do, making disciples in our region, and that's a beautiful thing. And today we have a really, really, really special guest that I want to introduce to you here in just a minute. Um, I was thinking this morning, you know, about a couple of things. First and foremost, the key reality in the kingdom of God to relationships. Anybody awake? How many of you know that at the end of the day, this is not about just doing meetings and having church, but it's about doing life together, right? Having real relationship with each other. In fact, we were in the back today talking to our small group leaders. Second Sunday of every month, we come together and hang out for a little bit. And we just got into a conversation talking about the realities of each other's lives so that we could become acquainted with each other. So we don't just show up on a Sunday and have a smile and say, how you doing? Great. Just give all the niceties. But really go deeper with each other, right? And so that's why connection is so important. You know, in our True North model here, engagement is everything where we have people that we can receive from and people that we can share life with. And and then out of those two places, we give it away to other people, right? And so that is massive. We're not going to see transformation of a region without relationship. Everything in the kingdom functions functions relationally. In fact, even the reason that Cheon is here with us today, who's our special guest speaker, is because of relationship, you know? There was a couple, Brooke and Josh Carvalho, and that connection led to an intersection with Jay, Cheon's assistant, and and Shay was down here um, in the region already, speaking at a conference down in Miami, down in Kendall, and said, hey, would you reach out to Josh and see if there's any local churches in the area that might, you know, have a space uh, and welcoming nature for me to come and just, you know, give to that body. So I got a call from Josh, and he was like, hey, Cheon's in town. He's, he's asking about churches, and I thought of the harbor. And I was like, wow, man, relationship, right? Everything's about relationship. I want to I introduce Che this way. You know, he has a, an amazing church in Pasadena, California. He oversees a, a network of, of churches and ministries around the world, called Harvest International, which is a beautiful, incredible ministry. Close friends of, of this house, actually, Lou Engel and Bill Johnson and others that we've associated with for years now, but just meeting each other today for the first time, which is, which is beautiful. Him and his wife, Sue, and their beautiful family. We actually ran into his son two years ago in San Francisco, Gabe. He's like Jesus uh, in, in, a, in a Korean version on the earth. Uh, it's amazing. He just... Gabe, first thing he did is like, give me a hug, and he just gave me this big hug. I think he kissed me on the cheek. I was like, wow, man, we're taking this to the next level quick. But it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. But here's what I want to say. Like, when you have a father in the faith, 
that's walked with Jesus for over 40 plus years and been married and has kids that love the Lord and grandkids that are coming up in Jesus and and there's integrity in the essence of who that person is that's when we should really pay attention I love gifts and Shea is filled with them I mean the apostolic leader in our nation that's paved a way for so much of what we're seeing today and that and we celebrate and we honor that but to me, it's, it's only accentuated and affirmed by who he is in the Lord. And that comes through reputation. That comes through, you know, again, back to the relational thing that, man, here's a man that's walking with God. So he came uh, expecting nothing. I want to do this before he comes up. I want to give an opportunity for us just to, to bless this man of God who is who was so generous and so kind to come here and spend with us. And, and we have a couple of ways you can do that. On, on text giving, which has become like um, just an easy way to contribute, we made a, a specific text code um, for giving to Che. And you can just text this. They'll put it up on the screen here in just a minute. You can just text this code. Let's see, it's almost there. There it is. Text four nine five four seven seven three nine nine seven seven to give. Um, text Che. Okay, you got to put Che on there, and then text that number to give to him. All right. Could we be generous to our friend today and just bless him with with that? And then also we have envelopes that you can give cash wise. You can also write a credit card number in there if you want one of those. Just raise up your hand. We're just going to pass them out. And if you could just raise up your hand nice and tall so we can pass those out around the room. And as we do, could, could you guys stand up and give Che on a huge welcome this morning from the Harvard Church in South Florida. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. What an honor it is to be here with your pastors, Darren and Wendy. And immediately, you know, even though we've never met, we just immediately connected. Uh, there's something supernatural about the body of Christ. I've been privileged to travel around the world, and no matter where I go around the world, when you meet believers for the first time, uh, there's a media connection. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you and me, and we have uh, the supernatural oneness uh, that is only for the ecclesia, the called out ones, the body of Christ. Such a privilege for me to be here. I actually grew up in the East Coast. My dad was the first Korean Southern Baptist pastor in North America. He came here in 1958, and that was our ticket to immigrate to the United States. And now there are thousands of Korean Southern Baptist churches, but uh, back then he was a real pioneer. And so I come from a very godly heritage. Uh, my great-grandmother was one of the first ones saved on my father's side. Uh, she got saved through what's called the Pyongyang Revival. Uh, it's a revival that broke out what is now Pyongyang, North Korea, in 1907. And, um, and you know what? It was American missionaries <clears throat> that influenced that revival. Uh, the American missionaries heard about the Welsh Revival. How many heard of the Welsh, Welsh Revival in 1904? And they were from the United States, but they were saying, bring the Welsh Revival to Korea. And sure enough, in 1907, the Holy Spirit visited uh, Korea, and that revival lasted 45 years. <clears throat> it only ended during the Korean War in 1950, and uh, it laid the foundations for some of the world's largest churches are in Korea, including at one time, uh, Pastor Yonggi Cho's church, 750,000-member church, 
uh, in Korea, the largest Methodist church, largest Presbyterian church, and uh, Southern Baptist church, the list goes on. So uh, my great-grandmother was one of the ones that got saved there, and so it's this generational blessing. I love Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus and you and your family will be saved. Now, I'm prophesying to some of you this decade, 2020, this new year, new decade, is a decade for your family to come to know Jesus Christ. You've got to receive that by faith. Talking about family, I want to introduce my spiritual son, and I've known him before he became pastor. He was traveling around the world as a youth evangelist, and, and then I recruited him, asked him to come and join me. So, Pastor Jay Koopman, why don't you stand and just... And actually, he should be the one preaching. He could bring it down. I tell you, he's a great preacher, and uh, he does have a prophetic word for you at the end of the service. I want him to come on up and, and share. Uh, how many of you have never heard me speak before? Raise your hand. So I would say it's like 99% of you, which is great, <laughs> which is great because I could tell my old jokes and be brand new for you guys. So that's, that's <laughs> See, I don't see that many Asians here, just to be honest. I, I love the diversity of African... Oh, we, oh, we have a token Asian here. Wonderful. And so you know I'm already Korean. And, uh, but my wife is not from Korea. She was born in New York City, but to Filipino parents. And so she is technically called a Filipina. So you call a female Filipino, Filipina. And uh, we have four adult children... We call them Corpinos, <laughs> half Korean, half Filipino. They all love Jesus. That's the main thing. And, and so we're so blessed. Uh, again, the legacy, the generational blessing. And you may be a first-generation Christian, but I want to just encourage you. You're going to see generations of believers as long as the Lord tarries until he comes. Do you believe that? I mean, his, uh, his mercy is to a thousand generations. And so anyway, I do have a word for you, and I... I um, I want to get into the word right away, and if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. <clears throat> I want to talk about the kingdom of heaven, and the word kingdom, as you know, is such an important word. Uh, to give you an idea, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it appears 129 times. Um, to give you a contrast, the word church, and how many love the church? I hope you love the church, because it's a misnomer to say I love Jesus without loving his church. And honestly, I'm a local church man. I pastor a local church. I plant churches around the world, and so I'm so given to the church. Um, and, and really, uh, the church and the kingdom are like uh, two sides of, of a coin, two different sides of a coin. Uh, but the word church in the Gospels only appears three times, in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. And so it's the gospel of the kingdom that will be preached to all nations, Matthew 24, verse 14, then the end will come. Now, some of you may have an eschatology or end-time theology that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I want to just give you some uh, demographic facts. There are over a billion Muslims that have never heard the gospel. And as much as uh, revival is breaking in China with 1.5 billion, we're talking about 1.3 billion that are still lost in China. And so we still have our work cut out for us. And, and so I do believe he's coming. We believe in the second coming of Jesus. We're Orthodox Christians. But I, I feel that uh, we're so quick to move on and we are so fatalistic uh, 
and we can become passive and just say, well, he's going to come any day now, and so things are going to get worse and worse. Why even bother when God's called us to occupy until he comes? He's called us to be salt and light. He's called us to disciple nations. So I want to talk about the kingdom in the context of the Great Commission. So Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first words out of his mouth, Matthew 4, 17, is repent. And I love uh, our worship leader or someone who came up and just said, it's this kindness of the Lord that leads us to change. He didn't use the word repent. I found that very interesting. But it's the same thing because repent, the Greek word metanoia, literally means to change the way you think. Today we'll say do a paradigm shift, right? And so it's to make a change. Now that leads to turning from sin, selfishness, turning to God, and deep sorrow, forsaking your sins and following him, all right? But it begins with a paradigm shift. So Jesus says, I want to have you change the way you think. Because the Orthodox Jew believed in heaven. They believed in life after death. They believed in the resurrection. Of course, the Sadducees did it, but the Pharisees did and so they expect you to go to heaven, but this is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I want you to do a paradigm shift. Don't think about going up to heaven. Now, let me just qualify. I just want you to know, I believe in eternal life. I believe that, uh, that he's going to create a new heaven, new earth, Revelation 21, right? And we're going to be with him for all of eternity. But, but when he talks about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's not talking about, I'm coming and you're going to go up to heaven in fact, the emphasis in the New Testament is not going to heaven, but bringing heaven down. And this is very important. So he says, I want you to do a paradigm shift. Don't think about going to heaven, but I want you to bring heaven down to earth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. You could have it now. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, we know that Paul says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. In other words, it's not physical. It's not metaphysical of this world but his righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As I look out, some of you can use more joy. You look like you're wearing tight underwear. You don't look too happy this morning. And, uh, but his righteousness, peace, and joy, and that word righteousness doesn't necessarily, it means being right, but it really means justice. A lot of young people are into justice, but can I just submit to you, it has to be biblical justice. Because today, people will say, if you're not for same-sex marriage, then you're not being just. But it's the righteousness, his foundation is righteousness and justice. We're talking about biblical justice. And biblical justice is that marriage is defined between a man and a woman. I was not planning on saying this. I don't know how I got on this rabbit trail right off the bat, but that's not, I'm not here to, to uh, be political or to uh, bring controversy. I just want to share the word so we need to understand. We're talking about biblical justice on earth. There's no injustice in heaven. There's no racism in heaven. And he's given us a lot of different mandates, a lot of different commissions, like in Genesis 1, verse 28, is where we see really the great commission begin. He said to Adam and Eve, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue the enemy, and take dominion. Subdue, that Hebrew word, kabas. How many of you know your, your spouse is not the enemy? Come on. 
I mean, I was just thinking about this. You know, there's Adam and Eve, and he says, subdue the enemy. They're looking at each other. Who, who else is here in the garden, you know? But how many know the enemy is the enemy? How many know that Lucifer was already cast out of heaven and was in the garden? It's amazing that God wanted us. He gave us a privilege because he made us in his image and his likeness. He gave us authority to subdue Lucifer. But unfortunately, Lucifer seduced us and sin came into the garden, sin came into the world and death as a result of sin. Why? Jesus could have just wiped out Satan in heaven when he rebelled. But he wants us to be like him, and so he gave us a responsibility of destroying evil. If you want to be Christ-like, you have to destroy evil. He came to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. That's part of our mandate. That's part of the Great Commission. Subdue evil, all injustices, and... Take dominion, to rule with him. That word dominion, we're going to come to that because we just talked about the kingdom is at hand. What is the kingdom? It comes from two words, king and dominion. King, and of course Jesus is the king. He is the king of kings. And by the way, when he says in scripture that he's the king of kings, he's not talking about he is the king of geopolitical monarchs. Like Prince Charles is going to be the king of England when uh, Queen Elizabeth passes away or she gives up the throne. Now, of course, he's the king of nations, so he is king. But when he's referred to king of kings, he's referring to you as kings. The Bible says in Revelation 1-6, you are kings and priests. Revelation 5-10, you're kings and priests. I love the way it says in 1 Peter 2-9, you're royal priesthood, royalty, Tell the person next to you, you're one good-looking king. I don't care what gender they are. Just say, you're one good-looking king. <laughs> yes, you are. And this is so important because this is part of the calling that God's given to all of us. We're all called. Every believer is called. And when I talk about calling, I'm not talking about vocational ministry. Like, do you know in America, based on George Barnett, only 1% of the church is in full-time vocational ministry like your pastors or Pastor Jay or myself, 99% are in the marketplace. It is ridiculous to think that the 1% is going to transform the world and disciple nations. No, it says in Ephesians 4.11, we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. How many saints do we have here? And if you can't raise your hand, I pray you give your heart to Jesus Christ before you leave this morning and become part of his body, part of his army. But we're all called to ministry. There's a calling on your life. Tell the person next to you, you have an amazing calling. Go ahead. I want you to prophesy over them. And I want to even say right now, Harvard Church has an amazing calling. I believe every individual has a calling. I believe every church has a calling. Every business has a calling. Every nation has a calling. This is an apostolic nation. And even though God's bringing revival around the world, still United States is the number one mission-sending mission-giving nation in the world. Can we thank God for the United States of America? The most generous nation. You gave us our missionaries. If it was American missionaries, they came to Korea. But there's an incredible calling on this church. And I really believe, uh, just like when Paul went to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, the greatest revival in Paul's ministry broke out in Ephesus. To give you an idea, 
He was in Thessalonica for three weeks, but he was in Ephesus for three years. The Bible says all of Asia heard the gospel from Ephesus, which would be Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey today, but that whole region. And not only that, but God did extraordinary miracles through the Apostle Paul that handkerchiefs, pieces of clothing were taken from his body, given to the sick and demonized, and they were healed. It's amazing. Jesus said, the works I do, you will do even greater works than these will you do in my name if you believe. In John 14, verse 12. But here we see extraordinary miracles. And the emphasis is on extraordinary. In other words, there are ordinary miracles and there's extraordinary miracles. I remember when healing broke out with supernatural teeth in our church. It lasted like six months. People who had cavities received gold teeth or white teeth. White enamel, supernatural. And there were so many. Initially, we just anyone who had a gold tooth, they would testify and would actually bring the camera right up to there and show the new gold crown on the overhead. We had enough technology. It was, you know, it was 95. The uh, internet was just getting started, but at least we had a camera and a screen, and we could show that. But we started to have people getting four, five gold teeth. So if you only had one gold tooth, you couldn't testify. Only those who had two or more. So we had ordinary and extraordinary in our, in our house. I remember one woman who was so poor she couldn't go to a dentist for years and all of a sudden this glob of gold started to form in her mouth and she got like five gold teeth and when she smiled, it was blinding. It was like, <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> Amazing visitation. And by the way, what is that? When the Bible says in Haggai 2, the service mind's gold's mind, it's really referring to the man, yeah, he's talking about finances because he's raising money to finish building the temple, right? But, but what he's really saying is, is the manifestation of glory, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. It's about glory. And so what I'm prophesying to you is that you guys are going to be an apostolic center and it's going to manifest the glory of God that's going to hit this whole region and people are going to get saved just coming into the glory zone of Harbor Church. I'm, I'm telling you. But it's so important for you to host the Holy Spirit here in order for that to happen. Individually, each one. I'm not talking about your pastors. Your pastors are like, you know, 10 miles ahead of you. <laughs> but but as, as individuals, you are responsible. You're called. When he says that these signs will follow those who believe, he's not talking about the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He's talking about believers. How many believers do we have? Let me get in. Again, if you're not a believer, give your heart to Jesus Christ. Because we are saying, how is his kingdom going to come? So what does is, what, what is the kingdom of heaven look like? We talked about righteousness, peace, and joy, but here in, in uh, Matthew 10, he gives another commission. He tells the 12, Go to the house of Israel, preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same words that he said. You could have the heaven now. You don't have to die to go to heaven. You could have heaven now. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. How many know there's no leprosy in heaven? By the way, leprosy is breaking out in Skid Row of Los Angeles. 
It is unbelievable. We have 50,000 homeless people in L.A. I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm from L.A. for those who don't know. And, uh, and the reason why is because our state has gone to so extreme left that, and it's a long story, but they've gone so extreme left as environmentalists. Now, I'm, I'm for creation care. Please know my heart. I believe we're to steward this planet. But they've gone to such an extreme. So what's happening is that the skid rows infested with rats, and the rats are multiplying, carrying leprosy and other diseases. But they won't kill them because rat poisoning will also kill the, the coyotes that will come down from the San Gabriel Mountain and will kill also the deer, and they don't want the wildlife to be killed, so they're protecting the rats as well. It's like the spirit of stupid is on our, our state of California. You know, people are more important than the coyotes. I'm sorry, okay? I mean, as, you know, and, and it's just like, it's Isaiah 5, people are calling good evil, evil good. We're in a time that is like insanity. I've been saved 40, this coming May will be 47 years of walking with Jesus Christ. I've never seen our nation. But you know what? I want to give you encouragement because Isaiah prophesied about this. He said, arise, shine, for light has come. Isaiah 60, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Yes, darkness is going to cover the earth, a deep darkness. So the last days we see darkness as well as glory and revival. I mean, it's dark in North Korea. It's dark in some of the Muslim nations. You know what I'm talking about. And yet, how many know light is greater than darkness? Amen? The Lord is going to rise upon us, and nations will come to our light and the kings to the brightness of his dawning. So we're going to be seeing tremendous harvest in the midst of all this stupidity that's going on in our nation. I love our nation, but there is definitely a dividing line that's being drawn like never before. I've never seen anything like this in my life. But, but, um, but you know, the Bible prophesies that. And so we're in, a, we're in a season where we're going to see uh, extraordinary light. You're getting brighter and brighter. I mean, I think we could turn off the light and the room would be full of light because of the glow in you. Is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Colossians 1:27. You are carriers of the glory of God. And so this is what heaven looks like is that there's no sickness. So heal the sick, cast out demons, there's no sickness in heaven. So on earth, as it is in heaven. And that's why we have a mandate to heal the sick. You notice he didn't say pray for the sick. He says heal the sick, cast out demons. That's your divine assignment. Why? Because he knows and he's prophesying that you're going to have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. See, Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When I think about that, there's two things that we really don't know. And, and what I mean by that is that the enemy will fight to keep you from this revelation knowledge. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. I want to just go to one more passage here before I, I close up here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 one of my favorite passages. Now, again, I was just mentioning Ephesus. Paul stays three years in Ephesus. All of Asia heard massive revival. The center of gravity shifts, by the way, from Jerusalem to Antioch, then to Ephesus. From there, it went to Rome. All right? But Ephesus 
there's no correction in the letter of Ephesians. You read all the other letters, there's something that's, you know, like the Corinthian church was a mess. There was immorality, there was division. All the other letters, there's some correction, but you don't see any correction to the letter to the Ephesians. They were amazing. How would you like to have Paul as your pastor, <laughs> the apostle, for three years? And by the way, his successor was Timothy. When he got beheaded, he sent Timothy uh, to take care of the church. And so your two founding pastors, Apostle Paul and Apostle Timothy, I mean, an amazing church, right? By the way, this is not in my notes, but a side note, one generation, God has to rebuke them for losing their first love in Revelation 2, verse 4. So if they could start, how many knows not how you start that counts? So we could start out in revival where it's extraordinary miracles taking place, and yet within one generation, because the Apostle John, at his elderly age, one generation later, he says, you've lost your first love. And so it's sobering. But in Ephesians, though, we see the pinnacle of Christendom. And I, for me personally, Ephesians and Romans are the two Magna Carta of Paul's writing. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I would encourage you to memorize and meditate on chunks of this incredible letter. Verse 17, I want to just get to it. It says, as Paul's praying, he says, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I love that prayer. I pray that almost every day. I pray, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Here's a guy who knew God. He was caught up to the third heavens. He had a, such a supernatural encounter on Damascus Road. And he got his gospel by revelation. He, didn't say, he said, I didn't get it from man. He was talking to, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, he talks about how he got this revelation. And so he compared notes with the apostles and realized it was the same gospel that they were preaching. How would you like to receive the gospel directly from Jesus? Now, the apostles were with Jesus for over three years. And here's this Jewish rabbi. And he has an encounter with God. Now, he was brilliant. Because when he writes... He's, he's quoting from Psalms and Deuteronomy. He's quoting from Hosea. I mean, he just knows the Bible. And by the way, he knew it by heart because he was in prison and there's no Bible there that he could quote from except for what was in his heart. So he knew the word, but was the foundation of the word and the word is foundational to every revelation. So we don't believe in extra biblical revelation. If someone prophesies something to you that's not based on the word of God, just say, God bless you, but I don't receive that. And so he receives this revelation of God. And and by the way, that is one of the characteristics of an apostle is that they are revelatory teachers. Like Bill Johnson, one of my best friends, and we're both in California, and and we made a covenant with each other back in 2000, uh, I think it was 2000, up in Minnesota, and uh, we've been going on vacations together for the last 15 years, a weekly vacation. You really get to know someone when you're on vacation. By the way, he's a real deal. I have never met more of a Christ-like person when the ministry's gone, we're just on vacation, whatever. 
He is, now it helps to be a fifth generation pastor, okay? So Pentecostal pastor. So he comes from a rich legacy, but he's just, uh, uh, we have the deepest love and respect for him. But the, the uh, point is, is that he's the most amazing revelatory teacher I know. And so this is a grace that comes, but Paul's praying this grace upon you that you would have a revelation of God. A.W. A. Tozer said, your worship will rise depending on your knowledge of God. So if you know that he's a good God or if you have a distortion that he's not good, it's going to impact your worship. Are you following me? <laughs> Say it again, okay. <laughs> if you have a revelation that God is a good God, it's going to impact your worship versus a revelation of he's a judgmental God or a mean God or a distant God. The revelation that he's father of all the ways that he could describe himself, he, he reveals himself as Abba Daddy. In the Aramaic, it's actually daddy. It's very intimate. We need a revelation of that. Because we are living on an orphan planet. Most of, you, most of you did not have a dad. He may have been there, but he wasn't there. He was absent. A lot of the insecurities I see in the body of Christ is because of father wounds. By the way, the word orphan in the Hebrew is the word yatem. and doesn't mean that your parents are dead. It means you're without a father. In the Bible, uh, in, in, in the Jewish culture, you were an orphan without a dad. You could have a mom and still be an orphan. That's how important a father is. But I'm prophesying, we're in the Malachi 4, 5, 6 period where he's sending the prophet Elijah, the spirit of Elijah is coming on the church, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children to the fathers. And it's a prophetic invitation. You can either embrace that or not. And if you don't embrace it, the land will be hit with a curse. And we're seeing that. We're seeing places where the curse is just getting worse in society. And the root issue is fatherlessness. So he says, I pray that you have a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. By the way, there's four prayers here that are so important if you meditate. And then he says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope of your calling. You need a revelation of your calling. A lot of you don't even know you're called. Even when I talk about everyone's called, the word church comes from two words, ek, out, Kaleo, called out. Everyone is a called out one. That's what the church means. It, it doesn't mean a synagogue or a building. This is not the, the building is, by the way, you have a beautiful sanctuary. I love your sanctuary. But that's not the church. The church is people. But he could have said, I'll build my synagogue. And we would have said, oh, yeah, because most of our worship service is like the synagogue service. Worship, prayer, reading of scripture, expounding on scripture. Or he could have said, I will build my temple. But he didn't say that. He uses a secular term that was birthed out of Athens 500 years before Jesus was even born. The citizens of Athens called out certain people. You had to be 18, you had to be male, you had to be a citizen of Athens. They were called out to make laws for their city. They were called out once. So the ecclesia are people who are to legislate through decrees heaven on earth kingdom culture to come to earth. And that's why he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in the next verse, verse 19 of Matthew 16, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. 
By the way, the way it reads in the original Greek is whatever you bind must first have been bound in heaven. Whatever you lose must first have been loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven initiates. Heaven initiates. To give you an idea, I was privileged to serve as the president of the call. The call was a prayer movement founded by my prophet, Lou Engel. And Lou was uh, just a church member in our church, cutting grass for a living, literally mowing lawns at a retirement center. And um, I, I called him to come full time to be with me. And, uh, and then Lord downloaded to him in 1997 when Promise Keepers gathered one million men in Washington, D.C. He said, we need a counterpart. We need to have youth gather. And so we started to mobilize for the call. We had 500,000 young people on September 2nd, year 2000. To this day, it's the largest youth prayer meeting in the history of America. And we give God all the glory, but I want to make a point. So we did seven stadium events, and then we went to uh, three different nations during that time I was president. We went to Berlin, went to London, and we went to Seoul, Korea. When we were in Seoul, Korea, we rented Olympic Stadium. Uh, the Koreans had uh, hosted uh, the Olympics, Summer Olympics in 1988, and they built a 100,000-seat stadium, beautiful stadium, right in the heart of Seoul. And so we rented that, and these events, by the way, we had to raise $10 million for these stadium events, so we're not talking about a small amount of change here, very expensive, uh, but God was so gracious, he provided every cent for each event. But that particular call, even though we had over 100,000 registered, because Koreans love to pray, and Young Cho, the pastor of the largest church, was one of the, uh, uh, the chairpersons for the call. We got major pastors to chair, and he was one of three. And, um, and so just his church alone could have filled that stadium, seriously. Just his young people in his church would have filled that stadium. But we had a major storm over Seoul that whole week. It was pouring rain, torrential rain. And so uh, like two days before the event, um, it was on Thursday, it was a national holiday, so we picked that day because the kids were out of school. I said to Lou, I, look, you know, the weather report says there's a storm, it's not moving out, it's going to stay over for the rest of the week. Should we cancel this event and just postpone it for another time? Now, you have to know Lou Engel. He's the most radical person I've ever met. He's the only American that's gone on three 40-day water fasts. Uh, he's gone on seven fasts altogether. I mean, he is so hungry for God, so passionate for revival. There's no one, you know, like Lou Engel. And he's like a modern-day John the Baptist. But you have to know him. And he says, Rain, are you kidding me? We're going to be in the mud. We're going to be in the rain. This is not a festival, Che. This is a fast. We're called to sacrifice. We're not going to cancel anything. I said, okay. (laughs) And so I said, okay, we're on. But here's what happened. We had uh, 60,000 people show up instead of 100,000 because of the rain. But no one was engaging. They're all inside the stadium walking around undercover. And so we had the stage with the worship team, and we're all undercover, and the platform of pastors of the, of the nation there. But there were no one out there, a few with diehards with umbrellas, you know, but at six, it was just maybe 1,000 people. So an hour and a half into, into um, our time of worship, he leans over. We're sitting together. He leans over to me, and he says, you need to make an apostolic decree that will stop raining so we could have the people come out of the stadium and engage in prayer. So I asked him, I said, uh, did you really hear from the Lord about this? 
He's like, yeah, God just spoke to me that we're to pray that will stop raining. I said, well, if God spoke to you, you get up there and pray that prayer. <laughs> but then he said this, you're the apostle. Now, you have to understand what we believe in our stream is we believe apostles and prophets are for today. I don't have a title like an apostle, Che, or anything like that. People call me Papa Che, or they call me Che, but it's a function. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. The word he uses, Paul uses very strong Greek words, proton first, deuteron second, third, triton. And when you look up that word, proton means first in authority. In other words, we're all equal we can all do the stuff, but not all of us have the same authority. Are you following me? Pastors do have authority. Parents do have authority over the children. The government in certain spheres have authority over us. If you get pulled over by a, a state <laughs> trooper, you better pull over, okay? Because they have authority. All right, so he tells me, you need to make that apostolic decree. So I get up to the mic and I say, brothers and sisters, wherever you are in the stadium, just stop walking. We're going to pray. That will stop raining. So it wasn't any super spiritual prayer. It was like 30 seconds, and I pray, Father, it will stop raining in Jesus' name. But here's the point. We serve such an incredible God, so supernatural, because 60,000 people witnessed this. Within five minutes, the rain stopped, the sun came out, and this warm sunrise, sun uh, ray came right down on the stadium for the next 10 hours. And can we thank God for that? I mean, but here's the point I want to make. It was raining all around the stadium except for over our stadium. In all my years of walking with the Lord, it was this most supernatural nature miracle I've ever experienced. If it was just me, you would think I'm just making this up. But again, 60,000 people, including my kids, who are there, and that so marked them. There is a God, and he answers our prayers. So when God initiates, you are to bind and loose. And even now, I bind that virus right now in China in the name of Jesus, and I loose a cure for it. I think it's the most compassionate thing for us to do is to bind and loose, and I feel like the Lord is saying for me to start doing this wherever I go now until it's over. But... But we see that, um, <laughs> I've just shared so much, and I, I forgot what time I'm supposed to go up because I'm, I'm looking at the clock. And Darren, how, what time should we be winding up? Okay. I love you guys. I really do. I, I hope you can visit us at um, Harvest Rock Church. We call it HROP, it's Harvest Rock. And, and uh, we've been having a revival since 94. Literally, we had night, nightly meetings for three years. A lot of people didn't hear about those because Toronto and Brownsville got the attention, but we still had protracted meetings with hundreds of thousands of people that walked through our doors. And uh, as a result of that, it's just been amazing. We started a network that went all around uh, the world. And all we did, and I'm just giving this a prophetic word, is we just jumped in the river, and the river has been carrying us. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you say, how can I bring these signs? How could I bring heaven down? Two things, really. I just want to close with this. Number one, we have to pray what he taught us to pray. Matthew chapters, chapter 6, verse 9. We all know the prayer. 
I call it the disciples' prayer, by the way. I don't call it the Lord's prayer because in that prayer, there's confession of sin, and Jesus never sinned. He was teaching us how to pray. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to continue to pray. My house, Mark eleven seventeen, will be a house of prayer for all nations. We need to pray like never before. Now, I got discipled in prayer. I did not know how to pray. But <laughs> Lou Hinkle mentored me, mentored me in praying. And uh, I tell people around the world, I just have an average prayer life, but I'm connected to a world-class intercessor. And so God wants to raise up intercessors in this house, so we need to pray heaven down to earth. Number two, the kingdom doesn't come in words, but in power. We need to be so filled with the power of God because where I was going with, uh, with Ephesians 1, uh, 17, not only the knowledge of God, not only the hope of your calling, but to know the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe. Surpassing greatness of his power. He's using all these major adjectives for you to know how much power you have. The word power, of course, is the word dunamis, and it's the same word in Acts 1.8, you shall receive dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, it was just earlier, the disciples asked him in verse 6 of Acts 1, are you going to at this time establish the kingdom? Think about it. They were with Jesus for three years, and then another 40 days after the resurrection, he's teaching on the kingdom, but they didn't get it. They thought it was still a political kingdom. He's going to overturn the Romans. He's going to sit in the throne of Jerusalem and reign like David physically. And he says, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. But I do have a kingdom. And here's my, how my kingdom's going to advance. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my laid down lovers in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The way the kingdom comes is by being full of the Holy Spirit and hosting the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did. See, when he got baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him, in Luke's version, it said it, the Holy Spirit remained on him. Problem with us, and Charles Spurgeon said this, he said the reason why we're not full of the Holy Spirit is because we leak. We leak. Just like you perspire, you urinate, you leak, you know. So what do you have to do? You have to constantly sate yourself with water. It is ludicrous to say, well, I drank water yesterday. I don't need water today. With that kind of mentality, you'd be dead. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine. And I'm preaching to someone here. Do not be drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I do, even before I get out of bed, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. And throughout the day, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit. So it, the, the, the Holy Spirit's like a dove who remained on him. How many know doves can be spooked easily? And so I have to live my life in a way where the Holy Spirit's on me without grieving the Holy Spirit, without spooking the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? And the way that is, uh, is living for the audience of one. Doing all that I can is Colossians 1.10. Walking in a manner worthy of him, pleasing him in all respect, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in intimacy with God. I've been living that ever since, really, 94. I mean, I got saved, but I went through 10 years of depression in the 80s. I say the 80s were from Hades. I hated the 80s, but anyway, it was just the season I was. It was all part of the making of a man of God. But the point I want to say is that once the Holy Spirit came, I said, God, I love your presence. 
I could relate to Moses in Exodus 33. Unless your presence goes with us, we can go no further. And so I'm going to give you an invitation. If you're hungry for more of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet wherever you are. I want to pray over you. And as you're standing to your feet, I'm going to have Jay come on up and give a prophetic word and encourage you. And just come on up and bring up. In fact, Jay, I want you to pray for everyone to be filled with us. Why don't you open up your hands, if that's okay with you this morning. If you can, if you're comfortable and you want to close your eyes, I just want you to focus on God. How many of you guys know when, when we focus on Holy Spirit, the manifestations flow through Him, amen? And I feel like even some of you are going to be filled and baptized with Holy Spirit today like never before. A fresh fire is going to come upon you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now, even greater, Lord. We pray for a fresh baptism. Say this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Renew us. Refresh us. Fill us with your fire. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with who you are. That we may overflow with who you are. We want all of you, all of you in our hearts. We burn for you. So right now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you fill them right now. There it is. I feel the glory. I pray for the glory of the Holy Spirit fall right now afresh upon these people. The signs and wonders and miracles will start flowing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, fill them right now. Fill them right now. Fill them right now. Fill them right now. Fill them right now, God. Fill them right now. Come on, just receive. The Bible says, if any of you are thirsty, you may come unto me and drink. Drinking is easy. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. Just receive it right now. Just receive it by faith right now in Jesus' name. 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 Come on, be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Take it. 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 Now, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you pray in tongues. I want you to pray out right now. I want you to pray. Come on, pray in your prayer language right now. There it is. There it is. There it is. I want you to put your hand on your neighbor and pray for them to be filled right now. Pray for them to be filled right now in the name of Jesus. Put your hand on them. Pray for the glory to come.
manifesting. If the Holy Spirit is coming on you, you're manifesting, jerking, shaking. Uh, I want you to come out of your seat, come up to the front real quick. I want to, Jesus said in John 5, 19, I want to do, I only do what I see the Father do. And I just want to see what the Father's doing. Come on up here real quick. All those the Holy Spirit is touching, you're feeling tingling, you're shaking, you may be weeping. Just come out of your seat. Those are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. If I could have some men ushers right behind these people, what I want to do is Jay and I want to quickly lay hands on these people here that the Spirit's touching because we want to impart what God's been doing in Pasadena since 1994 from our house to your house so that you will be carriers of, it's like virus, you can be carriers of the virus in the same way you can be carriers of this anointing. Real quick.
hearts of the people that are like, Lord, we need that beauty of your divine nature, that beauty of the inheritance that is ours as your children. It's the glory of God. It's the restoration, Lord, that you're bringing to the earth to your sons and daughters. I want to say, you know, today may be different. If you're here for the first time, we understand, like, for whatever reason, God's just touching people that, that He loves, that He's wanting to come into the parts of their heart that maybe they haven't had or felt in a while. And, and it may be different, but it's okay. God is, is, is a God of love. And he's a God that comes and, and meets us right where we are. There's stories all over this room of people's lives that, for whatever reason, there's a need, there's a, there's a longing on the inside, their hearts. Jesus. We're going to just stay and we're going to maintain this flow. If you have children in the back, please, if you haven't already went and got, gotten them, that would be helpful. Just go pick them up and you can come back out. We're going to have some of our ministry team members just here just to pray over you. They're scattered throughout the front and, and there's no hurry for anybody to leave here today. As the worship team, I'm just going to encourage you guys to go back in and we'll just continue to sing out, seek the Lord this place. God bless you guys. We will see you back here Friday nights every week. It's amazing. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.